0: Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at Hallel.info, that's halle We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. What this day is all about. We've gone through these larger readings here: Leviticus 16, Isaiah 57, 58, and uh, Hebrews. Really, <laughs> most of the of the letter is related to Yom Kippur in some matter or another. I mean, especially chapters uh, three through ten. But the other two chapters, one and two, are setting up what comes after that. But it all focuses on what the Day of Atonement is all about and one of the things you see is that this day is really about faith it's about faith you know even if you saw from the traditional jewish liturgy we read some of it here today that idea of you know you're going to do it yourself uh, is bogus because as we saw in leviticus 16 who is it who's doing all the work It is the high priest who is doing all the work. So, thus, you really have to have several layers of trust. And some of these are mentioned here in this particular piece. You know, first of all, as we were going through the long list of various sins, transgressions, and iniquities. And as it mentions here, those are, as it mentions in Leviticus 16, those are like three layers of ways that you move away from God. The sins, as it's often described as missing the mark, like someone who's shooting for a target and misses for one reason or another. You may have been meaning to hit the target but missed. Then transgressions, that's more willful. You are just saying, I don't want to do it. You know, as the Apostle Paul puts it, dragged away and enticed. But iniquities, that, that kicks it up to a whole nother level. That is. We could call it treason. You could call it rebellion against heaven. You see some examples of it in the, in the word, in the Torah, with a Korach or a Korah. You read about that in the book of Numbers. That's a big one. And, of course, Hasatan or the adversary, the devil himself, is a big example of what that means to um, have rebellion against the kingdom of God. But those are the various levels of moving away. And as we go through in our normal reading sections and we go through the book of Leviticus, you see that there are those offerings, a whole long list of offerings that are available for what types of sins? Unintentional.
1: Unintentional sins. As we were going through that long
0: list of sins earlier, which of us has an intentional sin on our list. All of us. All of us are in that camp. So all of us are in the need of what is the ceremony that's put forward in Leviticus 16 of the Day of Atonement. That is, the high priest does that part for you. So you've got to trust, first off, that there is a better way to go, God's way. He reveals it through his words as to what is the way to life what is the way that leads away from life otherwise known as death and once you say okay i trust that is true so then you move on is that well when you stray you can return to the path and that there is not just going to be the creator of heaven and earth with the smite button just to hit you and you know snuff you out that when you return to the path and you come back and say, yes, I screwed up, that the creator of heaven and earth wants you back and is willing to take you back. And then when you move on further and it talks about, as Hebrews talks about in the the two chapters we read and goes on in much greater detail in several chapters before that, but in 9 and 10, they talk about the fact that This is a representation of something, a copy of the things that are in the heavens. And the high priest is going through a role of something that is happening in the heavens, in in God's realm. So what you see acted out there with the high priest goes in by himself. He offers something for himself. And as Hebrews really in detail, puts out and puts forward, you have a problem that if you are trusting that this ceremony that happens on the 10th day of the 7th month of Israel's calendar, that that is going to truly and by itself take care of everything, then you have a problem because the high priest has got to take care of his own problems first, and then it has to be done every year. It's just like a thing that just kind of lurks on the outside of your life to come back in and overtake you because there's that intentional thing again that's laying out there and we all go through it. We move forward and that's kind of one of the things we're going to be closing with is that this is not a completely hopeless case that we're just always trapped in this situation. There is the movement away from this way of life, the roller coaster of life. But as we are reading in Leviticus sixteen, when this high priest goes in to the tabernacle or the temple as it later was built, he's by himself. There is nobody in there. So you have to trust that the high priest who's going in there is actually doing the job. And as you see, and you probably have heard about and some accounts, historical accounts of the time that happened with the Day of Atonement you know, after the death and resurrection of Yeshua, how there was a span of decades where things that they normally did on the Day of Atonement didn't seem to work right. So you have this picture of that, well, if you are depending upon this ceremony to actually do something, um, you're going to be out of luck because this is a physical representation of something that is going on in heaven. And this is a part of a some transformation that happens within inside you. And as the passage we saw there in Isaiah 57 and 58 goes, that this is something that's, you know, one of the traditions in here is to do a complete fast. Well, it's not just a complete fast to uh, have a new sort of weight loss regime. No, this is something that is a part of a spiritual transformation within you. So thus, it's not like you can do the magic charm, Day of Atonement, and then that is going to pull the heavenly slot machine handle, and then out come all your jackpot of blessings and coverings of sins, transgressions, and iniquities. It shows that no, this is not a magic charm. It has got to be something that is a part of your inside pouring out of, hey, I have done sins, transgressions, iniquities against heaven. And yes, that's in the process, that's involved a lot of people around me. But I don't want to go that way anymore. I want to turn back. I want to shuv. I want to do teshuvah, which is the Hebrew form word for repentance, which means to turn around. You're going one way, you turn around, you go the other way. You're not going still in the same direction and slapping bondo or some sort of covering over what's going on and all the foibles and dings and dents and stuff that happen along the way. You are turning and going in a completely different direction, turning around completely. So that when you are trusting in the Yom Kippur ceremony, that the high priest is going to carry these things away. And then remember, as we were going through Leviticus 16, all the the various actors involved, the high priest and especially those two goats, the two goats being involved. And those two goats, as we read there in Leviticus 16, those had to be spotless. They had to be spotless. Even the goat for azazel aka the scapegoat had to be spotless because why the goat for azazel various ways that azazel is translated one way you can do that is the goat for removal is that this is what's taking those sins those transgressions those iniquities and taking them away not just sticking them in a drawer you're going to pull them out later and go aha I got you no that's not what heaven's about and as we read in the passages of the new covenant prophecies there in Jeremiah and Ezekiel the new covenant is all about and we just saw a quotation from that in Hebrews chapter 10 what is one of the key features
1: of the new covenant
0: the new heart New spirit, okay? It's the internal transformation. But, so then, when you get God's instructions, they are internally from you. It's not some external thing you're stapling on, bolting on, you know, taping on. It is something that's coming from the inside out. And so thus, when you then get down to the point where you see in verse 34 of Jeremiah 31, And it says, They will all know me, talking about the Lord, from the least of them to the greatest, because I forgive their sins and I will remember them no more. Remember them no more means
1: gone. For heaven's point of view,
0: it is as if they never happened. So thus you can see that the patterns that we are shown in the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16, carried out are hugely important themes that go down through time. And as you see a little snapshot of that in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and chapter 9, that this is something that is going to continue on down through the Day of the Lord. And as we were going over recently, that when you see the seven trumpets, in the book of Revelation. Those are referring to a appointments that came just a, 10 days earlier here in the seventh month. The first day of the seventh month, which is uh, called Rosh Hashanah, uh, the head of the year, but also called Yom Teruah, or the day of blasting, or the day of blowing trumpets. And a huge part of the day of blowing trumpets is to what? Wake you up. Wake you up because heaven is really turning its attention to dealing with things. That is what you see in the book of Revelation. Those seven trumpets end in
1: what? Chapters 19, 20,
0: 21, 22 of Revelation. It ends with called the judgment. It's basically the, the final cleanup operation. Because as you see on the one end, I will forgive your iniquities and remember them no more.
1: So then, what happens
0: with the part of the, the world that doesn't want for them to be re- removed, never to be remembered by heaven? That is a part of what you have with the, the judgment. Because as the, se- the seventh month cycle goes, the first day, Yom Teruah, the day of blasting, wake up, pay attention. Heaven is looking to close the book on this. Tenth day of the seventh month, Yom Kippur, day of atonement. Those sins, transgressions, iniquities, covered, remembered, no more. Then, beginning here, <laughs> in about, uh, what, five days? On the 15th day of the seventh month starts the seven days of Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. It is the, in the ultimate memorial of what you see in Israel with the tabernacle in the middle of the camp of the, of the people. That idea that God wants to Dwell with us. There is a particular, specific name for a name for um, the Creator of heaven and earth, and it's, it's expressed down there uh, with Imanu, L, or the God who is with us, God with us. Immanuel is a very important name because it expresses the desire that you see back in Israel that the creator of heaven and earth is going to dwell and wants to dwell in the midst of the people. But you see, in the process, it's for the sake of the entire world, the people of God have to be cleansed from the inside out. Because why? This is a part of the transformation, a renewing of the world itself. A renewing of the world. And a part of the most fundamental transformation that can happen within any people, within a family, within a neighborhood, within a city, within a state, within a nation, is what? A cram down from the top? Yeah, that works until what happens? rebellion people find a lot of ways around that or from within you have a change from within you then that change goes out around you and that is what we see with the mashiach this great expression and of the desire for god to be with us and you see in john chapter one where it talks about that's the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, pitched his tent among us. So that you have, just as we saw in the first, uh, in the new covenant prophecies back in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, that this desire is for the words of God to be within us, to come out from us. And that is one of the great promises of heaven's restoration is for the new hearts, the Spirit of God, that we, what? Know the Lord. And as we see in the Gospel of John, one of the final messages of Yeshua to his closest students was what? About, remember when Philip was asking, I, I want to know.
1: Show me the Father.
0: And over the lesson, and then the succeeding chapters there, you know, the reply was, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you see Yeshua's prayer there in the time of Pesach, of Passover. He's praying for his students, and then for all believers, that they would know you, and come to know who you are. Because this change from the inside, is what it's always been about. It's never been a bolt on from the outside sort of thing. It has always been transformation from the inside. And that's why you can see, and um, it mentions here toward, toward the end of this, talks about this, this quotation in John chapter 1, verses 28-29, where you see that uh, Yohanan, or John the Baptist, John the baptizer, when he's saw Yeshua going by, he said to his students, you know, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, blending together two great memorials in time on Israel's calendar every year. One in the first part of the year, in the first month, Passover. Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Day of Atonement in the seventh month. So, Lamb of God, the Lamb of God As you might recall from Passover, what was the blood of the Lamb of God to do for the people?
1: And we're talking about the original Passover. Block. Block the wrath of God. Because the Lord sent the destroyer through Egypt as the last plague. And... What blocked the destroyer from going into a home?
0: Blood on the doorposts. Lamb of God blocks the wrath of God. So thus you can see that as you the Apostle Paul riffs on it quite a bit, where the wrath of God is blocked by the blood of Yeshua. But then blocking it is not enough, because you remember Yeshua told the parable about a guy who uh, had a demon in his house, and what? He threw the demon out, and then he swept the house clean. And so the demon saw and came back and saw, hey, the house is empty. So he went and got seven others and came in, and it says the punchline of that parable is that the situation at the end was worse than the first, And it was at the beginning. Because it's not just enough to block. You have to transform and within. And Paul, part of that is to remove sins, transgressions, and iniquities. Yes. Remove them out. And thus, as we will be closing out here, just after our uh, last song of the day, we'll see one of the great things. Okay, so Sins, transgressions, iniquities have been removed. Now, how do we live? That's why a a really good companion for this time of year, for Passover time, for Day of Atonement time, is Romans chapter 7 and chapter 8. Chapter 7 is where you run headlong into reality. You realize, oh, this this is the law of God. I don't measure up. I'm toast. You run up headlong into that, and Romans 7 ends, and it says, Who can save me from this body of death?
1: that where the story ends? Thus, Romans chapter 8 begins. Therefore, what? We should run away and hide, because there's no hope for us? Therefore, there is no condemnation for those
0: who are in Christ Jesus.